0: The gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirits. Carnal lust. It's not things like Working that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual
1: and calm. Oh, she's oh, actually sitting me in the so the, cold.
2: Cold. the role of
3: the witch is to make change. Bless it be, y'all. Bless it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch and I don't know what to do. 20 years ago, three young realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world following magic and spirit. Now they're back in their hometown
2: to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Hello, everybody, and welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of That Witch Life Podcast. I am your host today, Kanani. I'm Courtney. And I'm Hillary. And we are super excited because later we're going to have Thorn Mooney coming on to talk to us about Wicca. Finally answering the age-old witchcraft question, what the fuck is Wicca? Exactly. <laughs> and what is and what is I, I also think it's also I'm like what is not Wicca? I <laughs> did. Not all witchcraft is Wicca. Woo! Yeah, but then it's like, Mind blown. I, I
3: know. I mean, it's it's actually funny. I had a conversation with someone um, not long ago when they were like, I've been calling you Wiccan. And I said, well, you weren't wrong to call me that considering for a good 10 years, I called myself Wiccan and every opportunity I could until one day I realized I wasn't because I actually looked at what it takes to become Wicca. And I'm like, actually, I haven't really done any of that. So I think I am using an inaccurate term to describe myself. And I'm... <laughs> I've done none of this. Oopsie!
0: You're like whoops.
3: <laughs> you guys are gonna love Thorn, by the way.
0: So I'm super oh, excited. I'm super excited. Coming. The
2: book was awesome. Oh, you read something for once? I did. Well,
0: it wasn't yours, so I'm allowed. I was like, did you read a book?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm allowed to read things as long as you're not the writer no, of the I, things.
0: I see. I see. That's that's how this works.
2: <laughs> so I am a. I'm actually have some news to share and that is that we have officially sold our condo yay yay that is very exciting I knew that was going to be the easy part of this process we still are waiting to find something to purchase to move into which is going to be the very crazy 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 part um but at this point I hate this place (laughs) and so I am so ready like I'm not feeling any emotional attachment. I, I think when we move out, I probably will. But right now we have spent every weekend painting and fixing. And then we had the carpets done and moving furniture and packing and more packing. And then there was packing just for fun and there's still packing to do. And so I'm just losing my mind with how time consuming this process has been that I am so over this place. That the idea of not driving back here just fills me with so much joy. You're I, like, can't, yes. I can't even.
3: I think part of it is that all of your witch, your witchy stuff, your magic stuff, it's all been put away because it doesn't really do well for the seller or the
2: realtor when you have a giant ass altar and a bunch of pentagrams hanging up Actually, all over your house. What's really funny is so I'm looking around right now because I it's fairly close to the way it was staged. I kept out, and he didn't stop me. I kept out... I did put my spell jar in the in the pantry, um, and I put my witch's balls that I'd made. You I put balls. those in the pantry. My mm-hmm. balls. You put your and, balls in the pantry. But I have mm-hmm. my... Uh, is it selenite? Selenite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have my selenite crystal that's been staying on my dresser that I never moved. And then I have this... Um, I don't know how how it was like a crystal map that I use to kind of help with grounding and things like that, that I put away. But like the second we're not we weren't showing like all of that stuff came back out. But my altar is like officially fully like packed up. So it is that's part of the lack of attachment is it also just doesn't feel like my place anymore. I want a yard so bad. I just, the idea of being able to pour a cup of coffee and then step outside and put my feet in some dirt just sounds so amazing to me that it just, whatever it takes to get there, that's, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to focus on. And so that's, that's been what we've been we've been working towards. So,
3: well, the spell that I cast, which so far has not worked, which is to bring everybody I know into a two-block radius of my house, You're again really fell not, through. Your,
0: your magic is. This just This is like where my magic flat. is falling flat. I've done
3: some really badass magic in my life, and this one just keeps falling flat. But I was super excited when the house literally across the street from me went up for sale. It had three bedrooms and it was in Kanani's price range. And so I called her I'm like, "Are you driving to my house right now? Because there's an open house right across the way." And-, <laughs> and she's like,
0: fuck. No.
2: And well, my, and no, my no, husband, no, she my,
3: was not. Fuck. My, no. Husband my husband. Her husband was. Absolutely. No.
2: Yeah. Kai Kibosh that situation.
3: Yeah. But it was very funny. Cause we had a whole plan in place where I was like, listen, Kanani, here's what you can do. So you know you could throw the kids outside which is what you're saying you're going to do and then you could just come to my house and drink wine on the porch they are in screaming distance so if there's a if they break a bone or a fracture a skull we'll hear a blood-curdling scream and can call the ambulance and you can smell smoke if they set something on fire and she's like that's a good point point." and then the more we started planning the more our husbands were like this is a really bad idea because as kanadi pointed out it would just be one big episode of wife swap
2: Exactly. They would never know who was going to be in the living room when they came home. Like which woman is it going to be? Is it going to be no woman, both women, one woman, who knows? What's going to Will there be children? I don't know. It's just no one's going to know. Although I did agree that that Courtney's dog is the only dog that my husband will ever have, so that's <laughs> Living, living across the street from her is the closest he'll ever get to having a dog.
3: My husband will look out the front window, and there's Kanani planting lavender in the front lawn, and he'll be like, why are you doing that? You have a lot. Yeah, but mine has too much shade. You have better
2: sun, so I'm planting my lavender on your property. Exactly. Like, that's, that's what would happen. Actually, it was really funny talking about me putting things in your property. Um, <laughs> that same day we were having this conversation, I was telling my husband, we're like packing up the bathroom or something. <laughs> And I just remember I looked at him and I go, I'm like, I, I don't know why. I'm like, I, I said, I think, I think Courtney's husband would really like it, you know, if we moved next door. Because for some reason, I said, despite all of the shit I've talked about you, he really likes you and I cannot figure out why. And my <laughs> oh, husband mean. looks at me and he goes- so mean. And he looks at you know, that's what's funny. He goes, why are you so mean to me? <laughs> and I looked at him and I started laughing. Yeah, and I looked at him and I go, he even went so far as to say, I can't bury you in their backyard. And my husband's just shaking his head and he starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm like, how fucked up is that? My best friend, I can bury whatever I want in her backyard. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and my husband just started laughing. He's just like, what is wrong with you? So mean. I yeah, know you're what I do. It's pretty yeah. good. I have a I have a contract that says that I can do it, and he can't leave. It's so. called it's
3: called a wedding ring, and I have two children with him. I scrambled my DNA twice. Exactly,
2: like you're welcome. <laughs> you're not buried in the backyard. You're welcome. But it was oh. really, it was, it was so funny because he, he just starts laughing. He's like, "Why are you so mean to me?" I'm like, "I don't know, because you're here, because you're in the room, because there's no one
0: else to bother right now." I don't know, because you're here, because you're in the
2: room. You're here. Wow. Pretty much how it boils down in this house, so. <laughs> Anyways, Courtney was going to talk to us about a full moon happening on April 26th.
3: Yes. Okay, so um, it's it's great uh, this full moon is lining up beautifully with Bealtaine, which, by the way, we did interview uh, Shane Broderick for our Bealtaine episode, releasing it next week. You all are going to freak out. It's so good. A lot of great stuff, so. There's a few things that are going on with, um, it's a, it's a very strange kind of full moon, but I guess this kind of happens every year, but I think because it happens so late in the season, it's going to be supercharged. So, um, okay. So typically the full moon in April is known as the pink moon here in North America, um, And this one this year, it is a super moon. Okay, so a super moon is called as such because it looks a little bit bigger. And we witches really know that super moons can really enhance your magic. So this is a very, very good time to make some things happen. So, okay, um so despite you know although Kanani wishes this were the case um the pink moon is not called the pink moon because the moon actually looks pink it's actually called that because of certain wildflowers that are native to eastern north america um which are often called creeping phlox which is like a really badass name um which is a very pretty pink flower. And because it blooms around this moon, that means that it is, um, that's why the full moon is associated with that. So um, other April full moon names, the Algonquin would call them the breaking ice moon. The Dakota called this the moon when the streams are navigable again the Ogallala also called it the moon of the red grass appearing. Um, so speaking to the plant growth that will soon kick into high gear. So there's a lot of energy. And also this is a Scorpio moon. Okay. As you recall, like we are, um, going to be in Taurus at that time. And the full moon is always in the sign. That's the direct opposite of the sun sign. So if we're in Taurus, it means that we are in its polar opposite which is Scorpio. So Scorpio moons, there are a lot about power, sex, and death. Okay, so if you want to make some serious changes, you want to end something, this is actually a good moon to end something. We often associate new moons with the time you want to end things that's true because it's also about renewal this happens to be a good full moon if you want to end something so cut and clear work you know if you've got a cord that symbolizes something you want to let go of or get a cord and make it represent something that you want to let go of and cut that thing okay it's over it's done um this is a good moon for sex magic if you if you are someone who enjoys sex either with yourself or with a partner or more then um this is a time to use that energy to manifest something um i would also say this is a really good moon for just increasing power in general because that's what scorpio rules is power sex and death so if you are um looking to make yourself your your voice more powerful your words more powerful saying these kind of affirmations on the full moon like i am more powerful in myself i am more powerful in the things that i do um Also, my feeling is because it's a pink moon, which tends to be um, symbolizing attractiveness and, and things that are very pretty, you can use that to your advantage to do some spells that make you a more powerful candidate if you're looking for a new job, or a more powerful applicant if you're trying to get into school, or whatever it is that you're doing, use some power and glamour magic to make yourself more attractive, more powerful to whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So a lot of ways that this moon can be used. Um, also something we're going to be talking about a lot next week. This is a really important time for some protection magic um, <laughs> because so uh, be thinking about the things in your life that you want to protect, start gathering some effigies of that, start thinking about um, setting some boundaries. Because Because we come to Beelzena, which is very shortly after this full moon, you're going to want to be doing some serious protection magic. So that is your lunar report for April 26,
0: 2021.
2: I feel like we need to buy you a space helmet for when you do that. What? (laughs) Why? What is a space helmet? I don't know, because the lunar report just sounded very
0: NASA. Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) So now when you give the moon reports, I'm going to picture you in a space helmet. I'm like...
0: I'm super pro anyone looking like an idiot on video so I can laugh.
3: (laughs) Well, speaking of not looking like an idiot, but potentially sounding like one, we didn't lose any Patreon supporters after (laughs) I released my brand new single called Come All Little Haters or something like that. It's still early. It's still early. Come Little Haters. Come Little Haters. We just released it this morning. In fact, we got more Patreon supporters. So people might have actually liked the song Kanani. That's a lie. (laughs)
0: it's perfect if you are not a patreon supporter you should be for this song alone like it is
3: i
2: published the lyrics which i've already forgotten so i'm glad there's somewhere
3: oh Oh my god thank god thank
0: god you put them somewhere
2: so for the second time my daughter and i went over to help hillary do some organizing and whatnot and we organized her uh office which looks amazeballs it looks so
0: good and soleil did such an amazing job it was super fun we
2: started we started doing a room and i don't know what the hell happened i grabbed a box and somehow i broke a nail on my middle finger, one of my fake claws. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> my really... finger just starts like gushing blood. Oh my God, yeah. you would like gushing blood with nails. Why,
3: why? It was just
0: sitting there, Kanani's just sitting there and she's like looking at her hand. Did she also and get rabies looking again? looking at me and looking at her hand. No, that's for later. And looking at me <laughs> and looking, and then she's like, I'm like, did you break a nail? And she's like, I, something happened. And then she's like and then she like she's like i mean it I definitely broke a nail but like did i rip my whole nail off and i was like well does it hurt really bad and she's like no it doesn't really hurt and i'm like then you didn't rip your whole nail off i'm like but if you catch it it probably pulled a little bit away just at the top of your nail and that i'm bleeds. like well it's
2: bleeding a lot so i probably did something and so i just like head downstairs nonchalantly and I'm like rinsing it off in the sink. I'm like, do you have a band aid? And she's like, sure. So yeah. So that's how much I love Hillary and her new place. Oh I am, I have I have literally bled.
3: This is why I don't have fake nails. First of all, I can't have them if I'm going to play violin. Second of all, like the ripping of the stuff, the clicking, the blah, oh, I can't. And it, I'm working on these TikTok videos and working with Ku. She's like, listen, you're going to do these tarot pulls on your TikTok videos. Your nails have got to be on point. And she's right. And I'm still not going to do it. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to find a way, like, maybe just to, like, hide my fact that I don't do my fingernails.
0: When I'm pulling cards, wear cool gloves, like wear
3: fancy gloves. There you go. So that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I used to wear elbow length gloves. When I met Tori Amos, I was wearing elbow length gloves and you there can- were mascara, mascara stains in the palms because I would weep in, I wept into them after she shook oh, my hand. God, It was very cold that night. can't even. I can't even.
2: <laughs> I can't even.
3: <laughs> so, um, all right, Kanani, should I move on to uh, shout outs? Talk about stuff. Don't ask me when I'm shoving a French fry in my mouth. All right. Anyway. Hi, I'm taking over. I'm going to be the host for the next 10 minutes. So, um, as many of you all know, um, we're starting to do these follow-up conversations on clubhouse. Um, so last week we had Teresa Reed and we had stormy Daniels. So definitely, um, follow me and I'm at the cocoa, Witch, um, and you can come and hang out with us, um, when we do some follow-up stuff. So this week on Thursday, April 22nd, we're doing a follow-up conversation with Thorne Mooney, all about uh, Wicca and other things related to witchcraft. So if you have questions for Thorne or thoughts about the episode, come talk to us um and so keep an eye out for that also my intermediate tarot class starts tomorrow april 20th um so you can find a link to sign up in our show notes you don't have to have taken my beginner class but having some experience with the tarot in the first place is a good way to go so
2: yes that's all now kanani are you still eating french fries or can you actually talk i can i can actually talk so we just want to thank everybody and thank all of our Patreon, Kofi, and Etsy supporters. Um, for those of people who haven't checked it out yet, we have two new spell kits on our Etsy. We have a new money spell kit, which has been very popular, as well as a Bieltina spell kit, which is also starting to go quickly. We always uh, sell out of the holiday kits, so definitely very quickly. yeah, definitely get those as soon as you can. For our Patreon supporters. you'll get ten percent off of our Etsy shop. Um, as another thank you for all of our Patreon supporters, last week, we released the lyrics from Courtney's Crazy ass song. Yeah, if for some reason you want to hear it, it is there. <laughs> for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to this and other witchism content. Higher levels get you access to our private Facebook page, live virtual special events, early release episodes, longer ad-free episodes, and quarterly subscription box, and even a tarot card pulled for you on the show. And today, Courtney is pulling a card for Lisbeth.
3: Yes. Okay. So I'm, um, Lisbeth just up their pledge to the Kanani girlfriend, boyfriend, and befriend level, which gives them access to the extended ad free episodes and the quarterly special events and rituals. Um, and, and Lisbeth got the three of wands. Okay. I actually love this card because it means that blessings are on the way. Um, when you get it, keep your eyes open, stay present, stay focused, and, you know, accept every opportunity as it comes your way, even if it doesn't seem as grand as perhaps you would like it to be up front. It's the kind of the three of wands is a car that symbolizes things growing bigger. So grab it, run with it and just see what happens. And, and, uh, thank you for being a Kanani girlfriend, boyfriend, and friend.
0: Oh my God. Kanani. She's muted. You're muted. Muted. I think you just unplugged your mic. She I did. just unplugged your mic. Oh
2: my God. <laughs> I did. Actually, I pushed the mute button on my mic because that's what I do. Other ways that you can support the show if you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy that Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. You can also consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. You can also purchase a shout out and let people know about your virtual oh event or just send love to your favorite witch. Find out more on our website at (laughs) thatwitchlife.com. Are we ready for a word from our sponsors? I don't know.
3: We are so happy to be introducing you to Thorne Mooney, who, in addition to being a fantastically awesome person, is the author of two books we know you're going to want to have. Her book, Traditional Wicca, is now available. While there are many powerful variations of contemporary witchcraft, Traditional Wicca offers unique experiences for those who seek it out. Thorn's traditional Wicca explores structured coven-based styles of Wicca, which the practitioners typically trace initiatory lineages back to Wicca's early founders. Discussing covens, initiations, practices, ethics, and more, traditional Wicca shares tips and ideas on how to get the most from this profound approach to witchcraft. And Thorn has a new book coming out in September called The Witch's Path. The Witch's Path is all about taking your witchcraft practice to the next level whether you're a beginner who feels overwhelmed, a disillusioned adept, a jaded coven leader, or anyone in between. This book shares specific hands-on tips for what you can do to move forward spiritually today no matter your starting point. Order your copies of Thorn Mooney's books today at Llewellyn.com and save 20% now through June 30th, 2021 on traditional Wicca and pre-orders of The Witch's Path with coupon code THORN20. That's THORN20. This coupon is valid through June 30th, 2021, not valid in conjunction with any other discounts or previously placed orders. Note that you do need to be logged into your Llewellyn.com account for the coupon to apply. We know that as soon as you hear our chat with Thorn Mooney, you'll be racing out to order traditional Wicca and the Witch's Path. So be sure to use the THORN20 code at Llewellyn.com and save 20%. Thank you to Llewellyn for being an episode sponsor. So Hillary moved last month and my husband and I offered to help and we thought we were going to be packing her clothes and stuff. But no, Hillary has an enormous stash of tea and my husband spent two hours boxing it up.
0: Okay, like maybe an hour. But the thing is, is... I seriously have so much tea from the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company. It's kind of embarrassing.
3: And for good reason, too.
0: Yeah, like my entire life is pretty much scheduled around the next cup of tea. And I literally have told everyone I know about Jasmine Pearl Tea. Their teas are so good. Every morning I get fueled up with either the Burnside Chai, sometimes Caravan. And I've also hooked all of my students up with the Aria Blend because it's super soothing on a sore throat.
3: So I mentioned last time that Jasmine Pearl's Lapsang Shushong Tea is the only beverage that I will choose over coffee in the morning, but I also adore their Feel Better tea, which is designed to soothe frazzled nerves, which I really appreciate given that I work with both Kanani and Hillary on a near-daily basis. Their Feel Better blend is very light with a lot of notes of citrus, so it's a great blend for springtime.
0: We're also super about supporting family-owned businesses, and the Jasmine Pearl was started by proprietor Heather Agosta and her husband Chuck, who have been directly importing and blending their own loose leaf teas since 2004. Everything is hand-blended by their special team in Northeast Portland, the Jasmine Pearls Tea Blending Philosophy is based on using excellent quality ingredients and building blends around good teas versus using mediocre ingredients and dumping a bunch of flavoring on them.
3: I used to be someone who liked tea, but I wouldn't call myself a tea drinker. But the Jasmine Pearl has totally made me into a tea drinker. Their vanilla rose tea is like silk in a cup. Jasmine Pearl is 100% online. Customers can have their orders shipped or do contactless pickup at their warehouse. And
0: Jasmine Pearl offers free shipping on orders of $25 or more. Check them out at thejasminepearl.com. Dot .com and let them know you heard Courtney and Hillary Gushell about them on That Witch Life podcast.
2: And thank you to Jasmine Pearl for being an episode sponsor. We would love to welcome Thorn Mooney to the show. Thorn Mooney is a witch of more than 20 years and the high priestess of Foxfire, a traditional gardenarian coven thriving in the American South. She holds a graduate degree in religious studies and is completing a second in English literature. Thorne has worked as a university lecturer, public school teacher, academic journal manager, tarot reader, writer, and musician. She maintains a long standing YouTube channel, has been blogging about witchcraft in the occult for more than a decade, and is a regular at pagan festivals throughout the United States. Aside from her esoteric pursuits, Thorne is a historical fencer, a traditional archer, and a seasoned guitarist. She lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband and a pride of cats. And you can visit her and find out more of her work at www.thornthewitch.com. Welcome. Hello. That was a
1: lot of words I sent you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You
3: kept it in the minimum or under the maximum, which is fine. But um, So telling a story which um, exemplifies... First of all, my natural social dysfunction. Um, and second, that Thorne and I are kindred spirits as she just totally played right into my social dysfunction and ran with it. So Thorne and I, <laughs> this is a total story. I've never told you this story. But we were at Temple Fest and we were hanging out at a party. And then all of a sudden, like Thorne and I were just totally like, like, oh yeah, I like this. Oh yeah, I like this. And all of a sudden I just look at Thorne and go, "Will you go to the prom with me? And she... <laughs> And she just without a beat goes, Yeah, I totally will. And everybody like looks at us like, Is there this a- is why mom? I can't
2: take her places? This is why <laughs>
3: she's and then everybody looks at us and is like, Is there a pagan? Prom happening and Thorne's like no, but now we're gonna do one. And Courtney's my date. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> she's my friend because not only did she didn't she she didn't get totally schemed out by my really terrible. Like I'm so socially awkward that it's like painful that she also just is like, yeah, let's just throw prom. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be friends forever.
1: I didn't get to go to my actual prom, and I think my father was really disappointed. So I feel like now that I practice the dark arts, it's time for him (laughs) to live his dreams.
2: (laughs) So anyways... Um, so Thorne, how did you first know you were a witch or a magical person?
1: That was a beautiful transition. <laughs> right?
2: No, I was like, <laughs> There's that no was transitions a with Courtney. She's just gonna <laughs> that like was a keep derailing the whole situation.
0: That's true. I os- I, I honestly was like, do oh, that. we're oh, we're jumping in now. I am okay. the queen of
3: the tangents and the rabbit holes. I will step back so that we could let Thorn
1: I, talk about the th- things we brought her here I for. I feel like that question should be like easy and obvious, but it's not. Like I feel like a lot of people at this point would like launch into a story story about like well when i was a child i loved mythology and then i liked being outside right like we all have heard that story and we've told those stories i've totally told those stories but the more i think about it in retrospect the more i think that it's not a matter of discovering that you're a magical person it's more about choosing to be one like, I think, mm. I think there's something that's sort of innately magical, particularly about children, which I think is why we're all just like, oh, well, I was always a magical child. And, like, having worked with children, I can tell you that they're all pretty fucking magical. So mm. I think a lot of the times it's we discover, oh, my God, there's this thing in the world, whether it's witchcraft or whatever, whatever your flavor of woo is, I say with love um and then it sort of kindles that same spirit of play and that same excitement about being alive that we had when we were kids and i think that's why we have this narrative where it's like oh it's been there since i was a child it's not that that's not true it is true but i think that it's more about deciding to like be a magical person and be openly a magical person perhaps or secretly or whatever. But it's like marriage right it's a choice we make every day right? i i love you know
2: what that's a new threat i'm gonna use against my husband and i love it because i can see we always joke about just how gnarly i am to my husband i'm just
1: gonna be like you know what when he it's gets mad at me this is a choice every day that you've you made this choice every day just, just roll over years in the, yeah just roll over in the bed and be like i'm a choice yes <laughs> That's going to happen. That's that's 100% how about, that's happening tonight. That's I feel about Gerald Gardner. I just roll over. <laughs> Hello, you're my choice. <laughs> my god, <laughs> so oh, so oh my god, so much. Oh my god. That's absolutely it's that absolutely happening. So much. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely. That's how I got into into witchcraft. I mean, like, cuz wow. like I was I was like a lot of kids, right? Like I loved ghost stories and um, you know mythology and I read the Egypt game right in the sixth grade and that's why I was like I have to be a part of the OTO obviously and like um, I was still reading Babysitter's Club in sixth grade oh no only the pretty girls read Babysitter's Club
3: I wasn't one of them but I wanted to. yeah be. I wasn't oh. either but I did read them <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Like, I think that was really- Oh, yeah, I also yeah. had the yeah, Goosebumps. Goosebumps. goosebumps.
2: goosebumps. Oh R.L. Stein. I read Stein. the R.L. Stein offshoot
3: of Fear Street, which was about like like the witch trials leading up to Fear Street and how they had to change their name from fair to fear. And I was like, there was a curse in the family. I forget. It was, like, it was like, a, a, like a sub-series that was, of course, I had to read the nerdiest of the- Fear Street. They're already the cool, like spooky stuff. I read mm-hmm. the ones that nobody wanted, which were about like the witch trials and the curses. That and that's why we're you know. like this. That's why I we're. See? That's, that's it's why we're totally witches. Totally normal. Right? It's fine. It's right? normal. totally normal. Totally
1: normal. Yeah. <sighs> that's how I knew stuff or whatever. <laughs> so, what made
2: you? Because I totally agree. I think that that's. I think that's an interesting way to, to kind of describe how you knew. Is it's not necessarily something that has kind of come upon you as much as it's
0: kind I'm of just a choice. a choice
2: that you've made. It's a choice. Like my husband, who clearly makes poor choices. I mean, let's be real. (laughs) So but what
1: actually drew you to the religion of Wicca itself? Um, I think a lot of it at the time was that there really weren't any other options. I mean, when Mm. I started exploring witchcraft, like you begged your mom to take you to the mall so you could go to Walden Books and like, yes, right? And you had your choice. Like you could pick Wicca, Guide for the Solitary Practitioner. There was going to be, like, a couple of Silver Ravenwolf books. If you were at, like, I don't know, if you, like, got them right after Stock Day or something, there might be a Ray Buckland book. And then there was that book about how if you played Magic the Gathering, you were going to hell. Like, there was those mm. books. Like, that's all mm-hmm. you had. Um, And then, like, over there in the corner was, like, 21 Lessons of Merlin.
3: Ah, uh, okay. So like, Yeah, those, I remember those days. Right, like, I remember those, those days. were the yeah. choices.
2: Um, and... It's so true. We have, we have people talk about the solid, the Scott Cunningham one all the time that gets brought up mm-hmm. all the time. Cause you're right. There was a long time where like, that was kind of the only book and that was well, the only one
1: on the shelf. And like, I'm going to be scandalous here for a second, but like, it's, I'm sorry, everybody like find me on Instagram and DM me how much you hate me. That's fine. Um, But it's not a very good book. Like I mm-hmm. think it's just that that's all we had um right and that's not to say that it was bad or even like bad for the time or or didn't hold up or whatever but like just like it's kind of objectively like not awesome (laughs) like for many reasons um yeah but that's just all there was um and then eventually Like, this is even before the internet, right? Like, we got the internet eventually, but that sort of trickled in really slowly. Like, I remember the rich kids getting the internet. You remember this? And then, like, eventually it was a big deal. Like, oh, I have
0: my own AOL screen name. We had Prodigy. Yeah. You've got mail. I had, I had, it. Yeah. I remember having it like when it was like, ooh, you have an AOL handle. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, what's your FN? So exciting.
1: So like once we had access to that, then there was the internet, which was like incomprehensibly limited compared to what we have now. Um, Yes. But then I could cruise around online and there were AOL chat rooms. Um, So you started, you being me, right, but, like, us generally at the time started learning about different kinds of witchcraft, different kinds of Wicca, different kinds of paganisms, Um, Mm. and I don't know, like, it didn't feel like as much of a choice at that point, like, things were limited, you were limited by what you were exposed to, and I think that that's still true, like, there are more Mm. options now, but I think people still tend to roll with the thing that's around them for one reason. I mean, that's, that's true about hobbies, right? And sports, like. Oh, absolutely. You know. People, uh,
2: people tend to go with what's familiar and what's available.
1: Yeah. What's and impossible. by the time I had a handle on other options, I guess, um, Wicca felt very natural. And it was something that Like, I never had to spend any time, like, rationalizing anything about Wicca. Like, Wicca just sort of made sense in a really, like, fundamental sort of childish way. Um, And then once I learned more and was kind of out in the world, when I did have, like, other objections or other ideas or whatever, I found that a lot of the things that I had problems with were a product of the Internet, right, and not actual, like, initiatory Wicca. Or they were Mm. a product of this particular book rather than like Wiccan communities as a whole. So once I actually started meeting other people, too, I went to my first rituals. I went to my very first ritual when I was 16. Um, I lied to my parents about staying with my friend, Rachel. And Mm. instead, we took the metro into DuPont Circle in D.C. And we went to a radical fairy ritual. um, (gasps) Oh, Oh, wow. My very first exposure to the pagan community um it was a ritual to aid the researchers in finding a cure for aids That's um
2: awesome.
1: and everybody had to wear red and it was like this big thing and I was like Rachel you have to go with me I can't go by myself I'm a coward and she was like bitch please hell yeah and we got on the train That's awesome. yeah and we both just kind of lied, lied through our parents right um and she's also the only one from high school I still talk to <laughs> so yeah Um, and I don't talk to anyone from
3: high school either. Uh, (laughs) Well,
1: and like that, that was so different than what I'd read in Teen Witch, right? It was still witchcraft and many of the people there, um, identified as Wiccan. Lots didn't, of course, radical fairy, um, in many ways, a distinct tradition, of course. And then, um, the high priestess of that ritual, um, was actually Katrina Messenger. Have you met her? Um, Yes, I have. I love Katrina. She she is
3: wonderful. She's
1: wonderful. There were lots of reclaiming folks. um, And it was a mix. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit. Because, like, I knew on paper that there were other things out there. But here I was seeing it. And that just complemented so much of my experience. I think Wicca was just sort of ingrained whether because like the foundation had already been primed or whatever, or because I'd been working in that system for a while before I was exposed to others. Um, I think Wicca is also really good at kind of dovetailing with different kinds of um, ideologies and worldviews. Like it's, it's flexible, not in the way that I think people usually assume, um, but it's flexible in terms of how individual practitioners think about the world and approach the world.
2: What drew you specifically to Gardnerian witchcraft? Being an asshole. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm
1: kidding. So just,
3: so just so people understand Gardnerian witchcraft is Wicca. Is that right? Yes.
1: Um, Okay. Yes. So, and there's, there's lots of word things here that I think probably warrant more explanation than I'm going to give here, but like kind of the crash, the crash version um, is that the words Wicca, Wiccan, Gardnerian, like these words were applied later and largely by outsiders. It's kind of like, hmm. this is probably a terrible example, but here I go. It's sort of like how, you know how we talk about evangelical Christians you know what evangelicals don't call themselves ever? Evangelicals. evangelicals right? right? Other people call them evangelicals. If you go to an evangelical church, they just call themselves Christians or they call themselves non-denominational or something like that.
2: That's actually a great example.
1: Right? So like we understand that there are patterns that make a particular kind of Christian an evangelical Christian, but they're not running around at conventions like, hello, I'm evangelical. What are you? So, And it's, it's very similar in Wiccan spaces. So like... We describe ourselves as witches. And when Gerald Gardner was writing, he was writing about witchcraft and the witch cult. Um, mm-hmm. Other terms were applied later for lots of reasons. Um, the generally accepted story, and it's true as far as I know, is that the term Gardnerian was introduced by Robert Cochrane, and it was sort of dismissive, right? Because Cochrane, of course, wasn't into what Gardner and Gardner's folks were up to. So it was meant to be kind of dismissive. Like, this isn't the real witchcraft, right? This is Gardnerianism. Um, and then somebody who has better history than me can tell you more specifically about when the word Wicca comes to be really prominent. Um, mm-hmm. cause Gardner would talk about being of the Wicca and he spelled it with one C. Um, yeah. yeah. A little bit of
3: very interesting pop culture tri- trivia. So from what I understand is that we call it Wicca, but it comes from a word like Wisha or Weicha or something mm-hmm. like that, which is old English. What that means, we don't really have a direct term. Most people would run to the word shaman, which isn't correct, right? Because um, sh- shaman pre- refers to a specific type of um, of spirit worker um, from from certain parts of East Asia. But that's a how was how I've seen it used though was when I was watching Vikings, uh-huh. and sometimes in Vikings they speak in Old English with the subtitles, mm-hmm. and I heard the word Wisha. And it was being used because one of the characters speaking Old English was assuming that a Viking was a magic person. Mm-hmm. So the the subtitle they used, they used the word shaman. That's not actually exactly right. But right. it basically almost the term of like another term that they could have used in the subtitles instead might have been magician or wizard or uh, spirit worker or something of that of that kind. Mm. And that was the first time I've ever heard it used in what might have been its original context in the old English. Like this is somebody who works with spirits, a conjurer, you know, so to something like that. We don't really have, we don't have a, a specific um, translation today that would be really exact, but that's how I've seen it used. And that's what I understand. And you correct me if I'm wrong, Thorne, that that's, one of the reasons why uh, Gardner used that word because it was the closest thing he had to describe himself in his own indigenous way.
1: Yes, I think so. I mean, he was really intent on coming up with something and I'm, you know, here here, are the scare quotes around coming up with something um, that was um, that he could, uh, I, I'm, I don't mean to be dismissive when I say things like this, but that he could pass off as indigenous Okay, mm-hmm. he was you've got to remember this particular period in time. I mean, we're talking about a couple of world wars, we're talking about industrialization, yeah. right? Like Britain is devastated in all kinds of ways. People are really um they're alienated and they're disillusioned by established religious practices. This is actually a big part of what I'm doing in my graduate work with literature is looking at like where where what happens to religious authority? What happens to God post Darwin, post-Origin of Species, and then later when we're talking about um, world wars, like where are people creating meaning and creating authority if they no longer have churches telling them what to do? And Mm. one of the things that people do, and this is before Gardner, right? Gardner is really like kind of on the heels of this and riding the wave of this. One of the things that people do is they look towards nature, I mean even I'm I'm working right now I'm working on a paper right now um and I'm looking at a couple of early copies of origin of species and like Darwin capitalizes nature and like uses like pronouns and I mean like we're we're bordering into pantheism here okay and I think Gar- I think I think Darwin would would be a little horrified that like folks like Gardner were then looking at things and going hey <laughs> right but that's, yeah. what, that's what folks were doing, was they were trying to locate, I think about like Rousseau, right? Like folks are trying to locate the sacred in the natural world. So that was going mm. on everywhere. So it's not like Gardner was sitting there like wheedling his thumbs being like, hey, I think I'll dupe some people with this made up religion, right? Like he's really responding to something that's happening broadly, you know, in this, in this cultural space. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I think in in seeking something that was a, a, a uh, like a native religion that folks mm-hmm. in England could look to, um, he wanted to also look at, I think he was looking at language, and I don't think he was doing a great job of it, okay, to be clear, but... I mean, considering I think considering the level of it, education he had, which was basically none, right? He, he did mm-hmm. pretty well for himself, all things considered. So most of the folks who I know, um, who who use who use the word wick I mean, we think of it. We use. I know people complain about using the word which and which uh, Wicca and which interchangeably, but like that's how we've understood it for so long, and it's really only been very recently that I think people have been mad about it. Yeah. Um. But like that's what it is, and somebody in my position, you know, I think Wiccans broadly. If you're traveling amin- amongst different communities, like I don't use it when I'm talking to other kinds of witches. But like when I'm sitting around in a circle with Foxfire, like we're not, we, we talk about witchcraft and we refer to ourselves as witches. We, mm-hmm. we bust out the Wicca when we go to other places, and we need to differentiate. Hmm. Interesting. I
2: think one of the common misconceptions is um, and I've actually had a lot of people who have mentioned this to me later when they find out that I do this podcast and stuff is I think that there's this there's this misconception amongst people that when people say they practice uh, witchcraft or they practice Wicca, that this is like a hundreds year old religion you know that that we're doing that you know little old women did in cottages
0: <laughs> in Europe you
2: know five hundred years ago, and we're just bringing this back. They they don't really understand that like no this is this is a whole new like that it really wasn't like that then like they were just growing their herbs and figured out what kept people from getting sick, but they weren't thinking to themselves you know this is a religion in it in and of itself, and so I think people are often surprised that the newness that is you know the the witchcraft that's so prominent today and and getting even more popular all the time this Mm -hmm. this isn't a age old hundred years old
1: tradition Well, and what's so fascinating to me about this, and I I don't say any of this dismissively, um, because I see this in other sorts of communities too, like religious communities. Uh, You know, in the beginning, you mentioned I have an academic background in religious studies, so I'm using these terms kind of in the broadest way possible. Um, One of the things that we do is we locate authenticity in age, and this is kind of true. Like, whether Mm -hmm. we're talking about you know, like h- how cool buildings are, or what religions we practice or how good a sport is. Like we're really invested in things being old. Um, mm. You know, a university is great because it's old. Like we just we're obsessed with locating value in age. Um, and this has been happening in witchcraft communities the entire time. It's not like, you know, Gerald Gardner appeared and... Like people just like people just stopped doing things. Like one of the reasons why why Cochrane was writing the way he was and why some of these other folks were coming out and writing was because they saw what Gerald Gardner was doing is like, this is the new stuff. Like, no, no, I have the real thing. That's been happening. And that's happening right now, like on TikTok, Instagram, when people complain about Wicca, a lot of the times it's because, oh, well, this is new. As though what they're doing isn't also new. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what's so like cuckoo bananas to me. Yeah. Is that we're still so obsessed with taking whatever it is we're doing and making that an ancient witchcraft. Like none of us are yeah. okay with our thing being modern. Like that's an insult. Yeah. We hurl at each other. And I think that that's just like kind of precious.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, very much so. It, it kind of is anti everything that the religion and witchcraft is kind of about to
1: me. Well, and just kind of like witchcraft as a whole, like even apart, even apart from Wicca, like I think, if if anything could be said to be a a value of the witch, like collect like capital V value, you'd think it'd be something like. Um, sovereignty or individuality or you know what i'm saying like it would be something that has to do with one's personal agency like to me one of the core parts of of witchcraft is you know and you can spin this however you want the accrual of power like personal power Mm -hmm. connecting in other realms whatever like it's about power and like why is it whether we're wiccans or traditional witches or whatever the hell we call ourselves like why is it that we just really want rules and we really want other people to tell us what we, what to do. And we really want to tell other people what to do. And that transcends any particular variety of witchcraft. Like if you feel compelled to get up in somebody's Facebook feed and tell them that like, well, this is wrong because this book over here and like my, my great great grandmother, like blah, 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 like whatever. And we've been doing this to each other for the last, you know, however many decades, like, I'm sorry, go join an HOA. You're <laughs> <Like, laughs> saying
2: though, like, like it's kind of funny because we keep right? talking about whole the the desire for rules and the desire for for order and whatnot. Um, but one of the things I think a lot of people will be familiar with when it comes to witchcraft and Wicca and uh, is uh like the Wiccan read. Oh, I'm about to ruin some
1: lives. Proceed. Ooh, ruin Do lives. It proceed so you went, uh-oh. Uh-oh. oh you don't you don't you don't even have to ask finish answering the question you're just gonna go wick and read i'm and just i'm go gonna just want you to ruin <laughs> lives just
3: ruin the lives we're so sort familiar with the, the wick and read is like um the law of three is that right like what you put out comes back to you three times three or is that or in harm, a, you, in harm a, you none yeah. do what that will okay is so it harm you none do what that will you is need
1: that, you need to reread your scott cunningham courtney weber it's been a while it has been a long time. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're talking about two separate things. And usually the reason we conflate them is I think because folks put them in the same sort of box. So the question okay, so. the question is something like, you know, well, what do Wiccans believe or what are the rules of Wicca? And when you see folks talk about Wicca on social media, one of the things that gets kind of flung around is, oh, well, Wiccans believe in the Wiccan read and the threefold law, or I'm not Wiccan because I don't believe in the read, or I don't like Wicca because threefold law is stupid or something like that. Like they're often grouped together, but they're they're two separate things. So the Wiccan read kind of essentially um, is this, is the statement and it harm none do as he will. Okay, um, and then the rule of three or the threefold law is that everything that you send out into the world comes back to, comes back to you threefold. Sometimes people will say times three or three times or something like that. If you're at all familiar with Charmed, right, you will have seen both of these things.
0: Um, That very accurate show that existed for a while. Incredibly accurate. accurate. It was my my gym show. I did so much elliptical to that show. You
1: should watch Charmed if you want to learn about witches. If
0: you want to learn. And, you know, like, truly, it'll help you appreciate how exhausting it is to kill demons. Like, you know, it's just.
1: And date.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: an accident, and then accidentally date the demons. That's always that's hard. Oh, I mean, who hasn't God. been there? I've been that's,
3: there twice, three that's, times, that's I think. Fine, actually.
1: that's fine. Yeah. Um. So <sighs> the reason I, some I, lives, I the Come on, reason, ruin some lives, Thorn. ruin lives. the reason I joke about ruining lives is because I think for a lot of people in their mind, and this is true of both practitioners and people outside of Wicca, folks think that that's the cornerstone. Of Wicca, like those are the things that make Wicca different from other kinds of witchcraft. Is here are these set in stone moral codes, and we just don't have those. That's not real. Like, sorry, everybody. Um, so uh, you had me at you have no morals. Well, I mean, obviously, because I'm organizing this this delinquent prom for like Gen Xers and old millennials. Yay!
3: It's awesome.
1: Um so we were talking about authority, right? Sovereignty, I think, is a is a popular way of thinking about it right now and very helpful. Um, but this is central in Wicca too. There's this idea of finding power within, building relationship with with the divine, etc. Um, it's not about following rules. So just thinking about the Wiccan read just as a starting place, um, the origins of the read by itself I think are a little bit dubious. I think an argument could be made that this is something that is really popularized primarily by folks outside of Wicca. Um, If you look at kind of when this phrase is really heavily circulated, it happens later. It happens after Gardner. It happens with kind of this publishing boom that happens Um, And it was sort of everywhere. And my, I mean, my thought is that some of the popularity had to do with public witches. Like, like, you got to remember, Alex Sanders, Gerald Gardner, these folks are in tabloids. Like, they're pursuing media attention. Um, And I think folks were trying to make witchcraft as a whole a little bit more, like, feel safer. Because it was illegal at that point. Like, up until very recently at that point, like, it was it was unlawful to be practicing witchcraft and wouldn't it be better if your neighbors thought that you were relatively harmless, right? Or just sort of like a, I don't know, like a fancier kind of more ceremonial, like environmentalist or something like that. Um,
3: a little eccentric, but generally harmless, which is what my, my neighbors, I think they think that about. Yeah. Me
1: um, and then I think the, when it really takes off, near as I can tell kind of doing like literary analysis, because obviously I wasn't running around in pagan communities in the 60s and 70s, but reading books um, that kind of span decades, you can see the Wiccan read really starts getting hammered in like the second half of the 80s into the 90s. Like that's really the moment. And what's happening at that time in the U S everybody, the satanic panic,
0: satanic panic. Yeah. So like, like
1: folks are, literally going to jail for supposedly yes. being satanist and yeah doesn't it make more sense to protect your budding potentially threatening religion by trying to insist to everybody that you're really harmless like oh we don't do, we don't hurt anybody mm-hmm. so there's that there's that argument, which is the one that I personally sit on, and you can look at you can look at literature. Both like obviously we have precedent in Gardner's own work, where he sort of hints at this witchy moral code about, and he he references this guy named, named King Pausol, okay, who's a lit, who's a literary figure, um, and references this idea of of the witch not, not being harmful, not doing harm, but it's not articulated as a read. It's not articulated as like this law. Okay. Um, and then what people point to is this poem called read of the witch, a, which appears in green egg magazine in 1975. And it, it has kind um, it has a complicated history, but it's generally attributed to lady Gwen Thompson. Okay. And she claimed to have gotten it from her grandmother, um, but it's it's what people call the long version of the read. If you've seen this lengthy poem, okay, um, and like that wasn't circulated by Gardenerian Initiates. Certainly, like it was it was re- it was circulated by the folks reading Green Egg magazine.
3: Mm.
1: Um, so that's not to say that these are these these ideas aren't practiced by Wiccans or aren't important to some folks, or that they shouldn't be important. I'm not saying that harm none is a problem. If it comes right down to it. Yeah, I think I do believe in the Wiccan read. Okay, like, good for me. I'm generally trying to not be harmful. Um, the last piece of that is that the word read means counsel. It, mean, it's, it's, it means something more akin to advice than law. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's That's another cool. interpretation. There's an interpretation here that <laughs> um, I think is is really significant. And it's the one that I hold to. If we're going to if we're going to adhere to the read, and if we, let's say we do want to treat it as a law, like what does the read actually say? And it harm none do as ye will. Well, what happens if we take that literally? Okay. And people will be like, well, you can't, you can't literally harm nothing. Like I'm breathing microbes or whatever, but that's not what the read has. <laughs> like, it says. Like it's when you cut into broccoli, broccoli has a nervous system. Right, but, Bro- but, and it harm none. If, if it harms none, So we're actually literally only talking about those things that do no harm. We're not talking about murder or things that are harmful. The read doesn't literally tell us anything about those things. It only speaks to those things that do no harm. And it harms none, do as you will. So if it harms none, boom. It doesn't tell us what to do if something is harmful. Because guess what? You're a witch. You figure it out. Mm. so that's that's my position on the read so when people are like well well wiccans don't believe in curses that's just objectively not what that says everybody yeah so that's my thought there um there are many wiccan traditions where this is not a part of things at all okay um and it sort of blows people's mind that what makes somebody wiccan might have nothing to do with what you believe particularly like when it comes to your moral approach to living same kind of thing with the threefold law like where is that when does it appear i think we we can make the same kinds of arguments um yeah and i think people should be resistant to the idea of these hard rules that just tell us what to do what we can and can't do with magic like we should be resisting that i think it just i don't know
2: I think people should always use their own moral code. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of cultural norms, you know, here in the United States that, you know, involved racism and segregation and, and prejudice and whatnot. And people just did it because like that was the law and that's what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, sometimes that's not the right thing to do. You know, sometimes you need to do what's morally right, even if maybe, you know, that's not what your friends are doing or, or,
1: or whatever. I always think it's good to kind of, you know,
2: yeah, second guess, just second guess what you're doing.
1: Well, an individual Wiccans will point to different pieces of liturgy or different texts. Like a lot of folks will point to the charge of the goddess um, which has additional kinds of potential codes of contact. Like you can point to potentially any document, but like fundamentally, like you have to have your own, you, I mean, you're your own moral authority. Like, that's, that's the yeah. central, that's the central point. Um, so, I think if these are things that are important in your tradition, then you still need to have the moral wherewithal to kind of work out where things, you know, are inconsistent, or, hey, this isn't covered by this thing, or my unique situation. Like, there is no perfect moral code. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of the mindset, personally, that, like, your moral code Probably I mean, like, does it need to come from your religion? Like, do you need your religion to tell you what to do? Because that's a problem for the rest of us. <laughs>
2: like- I I wanted to uh, go over a listener question with you, if you would be interested. Uh, the listener question was, I'll start by stating how much I enjoy your show as I learn so much every episode, Aww. but let's get to the meat of the message, which is a question potentially too for you. I'm a novice learning I am a novice learning of the esoteric world. A few years back, I became aware of the power of rocks, but have lately started educating myself further into the witch world and everything that it encompasses. As such, I have become more aware of the goddesses as well as spirit guides, but still have much to learn. So my question is how do I figure out who, if there is, is the goddess I need to work with and how do I identify my spirit guide to communicate with her? Bonus question. I'm also thinking about making a luck spell jar with the herbs included in our luck spell kit. What's the best way to go about it? Thank you so much for all the wisdom imparted and the banter that lightens things up. That's kind of them to say. So, so the two questions were how do they figure out who the goddesses they would need to work with? How do they identify the spirit, their spirit guide to communicate with her? And uh, what's the best
1: way to make a luck spell jar? So personally, I wouldn't stress about the identity of like, like if I, if I had a really, okay. So, and I, am I'm, I'm making a couple of assumptions here. Okay. Which I want to point out, like if I was getting what I felt were very specific kinds of communications then I'd be curious, like, oh, is this a particular entity that's talking to me? Is there something here? Like, is there, is there symbolism in my dream that I can point to a particular mythos? Like, what's happening? But it sounds like what you might be going through is um, just generally kind of having that that sort of awakening experience of, like, oh, there's magic in the world. And, like, rocks are totally a gateway drug, right? Like, to witchcraft. um. For me, it was tarot cards, but rocks do the rocks same thing. do the same thing. And just having a sense of the sacred. And if what you're experiencing is a sense of the sacred and a sense of the divine, then I would say, like, sit with that for a while and don't try to put a face and a name to it. Like, see where that leads you just by itself. Um, some kind of tried and true methods for taking that sort of thing deeper. Um, if you already have an appreciation for. Um, Stones, crystals, minerals. um, I mean, I would say try sleeping with them. See what happens to your dreams and track your dreams. If you're comfortable with meditation, if you've ever explored meditation, maybe try meditating with them. Um, See what happens when you just kind of leave the doors open is my suggestion. Um, And if that leads you somewhere specific, cool. If not, that's also cool. Is that fair?
2: I I think that's, I think that, I think that would be my probably advice as well as, you know, unless you're getting certain symbolism that kind of goes along with a specific deity, there's really no problem with just thinking of it as the goddess. It doesn't have to be a, a specific deity that you're naming and just focus on it as being, you know, goddess energy. Um, and then if if, you know, as as you get deeper into it, you start to get symbols or or names start coming to your head of who it is, then you can go ahead and go, go with that. But there's no problem in just, you know, focusing on the goddess energy,
1: yeah, I agree. You can also that. ask specifically. Like if you have a relationship mm-hmm. yeah. with um and it depends this this partially depends on your own kind of like, theological position or your worldview, if you think that gods exist externally and we have to go seeking them, if you think that gods sort of exist in our minds and it's about kind of pulling them out of ourselves, or if you think that gods, maybe you're a bit more of an animist and you see individual things like rocks having spirits, then like try asking the rock, right? It sounds goofy, but like that's totally a real thing
3: you know, to take well, one, I don't think you have to employ a spirit guide to talk to a goddess for you. I don't you know. You can, you can talk specifically to a goddess, but the other thing I would, I would suggest at the beginning of this journey is read all the mythology you can and see whose stories you identify with. Like if you read a story about a specific thing, a specific goddess experience is going, Oh, I've been there. Maybe you might want to sit down and talk to that goddess someone say hey we have a lot in common i'd like to get to know you better just like you would a person you find out that i mean i find out that that thorn is really into throwing proms for you know <laughs> witches in their 30s and right. 40s prom goddess? and there's a prom goddess and her name is thorn and you know that's how we, it's like That's i mean that's being silly but yeah i would i, I would read about them um and as for the luck jar question you know, anytime you have, anytime you can find some, um, images, effigies, things that like lucky pennies that you find, you know, um, those are some things you can put in the jar, anything that you consider, um,
0: that would, yeah. Or, um, there's like, if you're, if there's something you're hoping to bring in, like, so if you're looking not just for general good luck, but you're looking for good luck with a job interview or with, you know, good luck love. love, you know, getting a, um, you know, an image, an image, or I don't know, like whatever your invitation for the job interview you're having or whatever, and putting that in there with it so that there's the, there's the, the focus on that specific thing. Um, and then, you know, you can add the herbs in there with it. Herbs can be used in there. You can burn those. Um, you can, uh, you can put them in the jar. You can put them on your altar. There's lots of things you can do with plants for spells. Yeah
2: absolutely so thorn what is next coming up for you and how can people find you and kind of follow along with you
1: i'm throwing a prom apparently
0: yeah uh, yep. so I'm uh prom, prom. prom that's where you go <laughs> yep
1: which com? just kidding people just actually go get
0: that domain which prom oh shotgun
1: it's mine so, um, I have a book coming out. This is my second book coming out in Yay! September, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, um, yeah. So, what I do when I write is I just write the book that I really want. So, like, I wrote my mm. first book, Traditional Wicca a Seeker's Guide, because I was really tired of like only having resources published like decades before I was born. And everybody, whoever approaches my coven, like I wanted something that was very contemporary that people could read to get a handle on what traditional Wiccan groups are like. And so for the second book, I hit a plateau, like even, and I, I imagine a lot of us dealing with COVID, like that's where we are. Like I hit the spiritual plateau. Um, and in my case, it was burnout as a coven leader. Um, but also just like, do you ever just, you know, the moon is doing something badass, but you really just want to drink wine and
0: watch Netflix?
1: Yes, right. Yep. Like
0: that I don't know. I don't know anything about. you have never, never had, never had, had no heaven. never had that Hillary's never had
1: that
2: ever. is that is Kanani's tradition of witchcraft is. I was going to say Netflix and wine is pretty much my witchcraft. Yeah,
1: if you if you are Hillary and you've never had a problem, this book is not for you. Um, but. <laughs>
0: That's like every full moon. I'm like.
1: Right. And it's. Or. Or being so overwhelmed. Right. Like there's so much shit to read. I'm going to die before I can read it all. What if I read something crappy. Like. That overwhelm. So I wrote a book. Basically about what to do when you're stuck, whether you're stuck because Mm -hmm. you're overwhelmed as a beginner or you're stuck because you're burned out as a community leader, or you're stuck because you've read all the freaking books and they're the same book. And like, what do you do? Or you're kind of an armchair, witch, you know what I mean? Um, Because I've been in all of those positions. And I think, I think all of us have. Yeah. So I, the upcoming book is the witch's path, um, advancing your craft at every level. And what I've done, because mm. my publisher was like, how are you going to write this book for everybody? And I was like, watch me go. Um, no. What I, <laughs> You're like, don't what stop What I me. did was um, I'd been working as a classroom teacher for many years. And if you've never been in a public school classroom, this is how it goes. They take 35 to 40 kids who have wildly different backgrounds. Some of them you know, are English language learners. Some of them have particular kinds of disabilities. Some of them need particular kinds of accommodations. Some of them are honor students. Some of them are college bound. Some of them are whatever. They take 40 of them and they put them all in your room. And you're responsible for all of them. End of story. Like nobody cares if you're just like, yes, well, I couldn't help. No, you have to help all of them. So I imagined that everybody was kind of in my big classroom with me. You know, and what would I do as a classroom teacher? Okay, well, you'd do something that's called differentiation in education, which means that you take a central concept, let's say creating sacred space, just kind of low-hanging fruit here. And there are certain things, certain kind of core ideas about the notion of sacred space that would apply to anybody in the classroom, regardless of where they were, right? The only thing that would be different would be what you actually needed to do do to get them to the conclusion you wanted them to get to. So for like a student, like in a, like a child in a classroom, that would mean that kids have different kinds of exercises. One kid loves writing papers. The other one's going to be better off making a presentation. Some of them are super physical. They want to get up. They want to act it out. Others are really quiet. They want to do something introspective on the computer, build a website, whatever. But at the end of the day, They're all doing the same math or reading the same book Mm. or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the approach I took to this book. So there are, I was about to say, there are several chapters. It's a book. I hope there's more than one. I don't remember how many chapters (laughs) there are because it's COVID and I don't know what's happening with my life anymore. How many chapters?
0: You're like, what even is happening? But each chapter focuses
1: on what I see as kind of a core concept in witchcraft, Um, So I look at sacred space, I look at definitions, that's my opening chapter, like what the hell are we even talking about when we talk about witchcraft, I look at devotion, I look at ritual and magic, I look at personal practice, I look at study and learning, and I look at community, and what I do with each of those chapters is I don't take a particular perspective, because what type of witch you are depends on the perspective you're going to take, like that impacts things. If I'm a Wiccan, I'm going to have particular ideas about what it means to be devoted, but what if I think that witchcraft is about like building relationships with my my sacred self? Or or if mm-hmm. it's about building connections with the land or something like that. Like those are those are all different ideas, different theologies, different worldviews, but the notion of devotion still ties them together. Um so just kind of as an example. So it applies to all kinds of witches. It doesn't matter if you see yourself as religious. It doesn't matter if you're Wiccan. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner. It doesn't matter if you're a coven leader. Like I wanted to speak really generally about these core things and provide a lot of really pragmatic stuff that you could get up and actually do to push yourself into a new territory and make things interesting again. Um, so I'm really pumped about it. It was really difficult to write. Um, I'm very excited to I'm read I'm really that. pumped about it. Um, so that does
2: sound very cool. And I think that that, I think what you're talking about rings so true because, you know, we actually have a lot of people who find the podcast who are like, yeah, I was really into this. And then like, I kind of stopped 10 years ago and now it's coming back. And I do, I feel like it's something that, um, you know, sometimes people just get burnt out for, for Mm -hmm. whatever reason they were super actively involved. And then, something happened yeah. or just kind of life got in the
1: way. Well, and and- why does that happen? Like, what do we mean when, it- and a lot of the times I think what that means is whatever it was we were practicing didn't actually fit our real lives. You right. know, like we had some kind of expectation.
0: Yeah. I think that's totally true because I do think that we end up like, that's a sign of forcing something to fit into something that does mm-hmm. not fit. You know, yeah. it does not fit in. I think
1: that's where a lot of people give up.
0: And yeah, because you're like, I can't. Well, and also I think there's this, it's very easy to put a tremendous amount of expectation on yourself. Like if I don't do this exactly like this and it's all going to fall apart. And like, as we've said on this show so many times, like that's bullshit. Like literally there are times when I'm like, Oh shit. It's the full moon. Fuck. Okay. Hold on. Um, Yeah. I'm going go to go. Yeah. Like it has it happens sometimes. And that's just like, that's okay. You know? So I think that I love that you're addressing people that are in that spot where they're like putting so much pressure on themselves or they're stuck for whatever reason, because I think that's something that we've all experienced, but there's not really anywhere to go to figure out how to unstick yourself.
1: Is there a release date for the book? September 8th. Um, Okay, yeah, awesome. the other kind of component yeah. of that too was the cry that there aren't any advanced books, which like I think we mm-hmm. we all know isn't actually true.
0: That's literally false. No. It's yeah. a
1: sentiment that people hold. So why do people hold that? What do, what do we mean when we think about what it means to be advanced? I've got I've got an entire chapter on that. And like yeah. how do we it's not even just pragmatic like how do we evaluate sources? It's like let's redefine what we think advanced witchcraft is. Because in my experience, what the internet seems to think advanced witchcraft is, is, oh, I'm going to buy this really expensive, really rare book, and I'm going to read it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's, exactly. it's advanced
1: witchcraft because only certain people can read it.
0: Gatekeeping. Like, I mean, you know. like just a little bit i my
1: my working partner calls them um occult beanie babies those books because they get released and they're super expensive and they're they're all guys they're always written by men like can we talk about that yes anyway um i didn't say that but like that's why do we think that that's what it means to be advanced but we do Yep. um so that's that's what's going on in this book so i hope i hope people like it (laughs) And you can also uh,
2: visit her and find more of her work at www.thornthewitch.com. What is your YouTube channel? Yeah,
1: by the way. Um, so if you go- what's the handle for that? The handle is drawing Kenna's, like the rune drawing, like you're drawing something, and Kenna's like K E N A Z. But if you go to YouTube and you just type Thorn Mooney into the search bar, the channel will come up. That's much easier. I created my YouTube channel in like 2011 or something like that when like handles didn't matter as much. And then I didn't want to change it because I'd already like stamped it so many places online. Um,
0: I know this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's-
1: I'm forever drawing Kennas but if you type in Thorn Mooney, I'll come up. It's a party. I,
3: nice. and also on thursday we're going to be talking with you on clubhouse yeah so for folks that would like to talk to thorne directly or ask us some more questions about this topic uh 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern so um follow us individually or you can go to our show notes and get the uh, link to the
2: event it'll be really fun Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word. Please also consider leaving us a rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, become a supporter on Patreon. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, you can go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. So
1: mote it be. And I think I kind of fangirled a little bit, and she was just like, "I don't know you." And I was like, Aww. "I was like, I'm a choice." No, I wasn't. I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, choose me.